And good evening. We are live here in the One More Round studios. Casey Jisclair here. We have a jam-packed studio, full house. Damian St. Pierre, Richard Mott, Nick Bear, Mellow at the controls. We also have a very busy show for you here tonight. Uh, we're going to talk some football here in just a minute. But a little later in the show, we have some Nichols basketball, LSU basketball. Both teams have been in the headlines lately. We're going to talk to you about that in just a minute. Uh, some boxing and some MMA. Terrence Crawford has got a, a you know fight coming up. Paulie Malinaji has had some interesting things to say about Conor McGregor. Big super fight rumored in UFC. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we got our mailbag segment to sort of wrap everything up. But we're going to start here. It is officially football season, fellas. The Saints are going to be kicking off with the Cleveland Browns. We're going to assume that this is going to air sometime on Wednesday because we're recording on Tuesday. So the Saints are going to be playing the Browns tomorrow, I guess, for most people that are listening. Um, it feels strange. You know, the NFL's already had one game. The Hall of Fame game has already been played. But the black and gold are going to be back in action, taking on the Browns. Interesting game. Preseason, yeah, kind of matter. No, kind of doesn't matter. But in some ways for the Saints, I guess it does matter because there are a lot of things that we're looking to see. What are some things that you guys are interested in with the black and gold tomorrow night? The first thing that I got written down, Casey, is how old will Drew Brees look? And I say that because I've been known to be a Saints hater, but at the same time, let's be real here. Drew Brees is aging. He's not getting any younger. Uh, last season, he kind of took a little zip off his off his long balls. I want to see how he looks. I know he's not going to get much of a look, but the little bit that he does get besides handing the ball off, I want to kind of see what, what he's got to offer this season. Anybody else? What, what else are we looking for here? Uh, it's preseason football. I think that is the worst preseason games you can find. Any sport, any sport, preseason football has got to be the worst. Oh, there's not, no doubt. I'm not really looking forward to it. It's, I mean, it, you you take it because it's football, and I'm I'm looking forward to football season this year for the first time in a while. And I guess you just got to take what you get. I'm I'm interested to see. Also, are we going to get more listens or more views for? Who's going to have a higher number? Our views, our listens this week are the view are the views of the Saints <laughs> Browns first preseason game super bowl matchup hey look i'm glad we're broadcasting live from, from the indy 500 <laughs> dog park today Mott, you've done extensive research i've seen some of your notes what are some things that you're looking forward to seeing here as the saints get ready to take on the browns um i haven't heard a lot about adrian peterson come out of a uh, saints camp or anything so i'd like to see how he'd be doing in the preseason game Okay. I think Mott's looking at the first show I make notes. I think he's looking over my shoulder. I'm going to have to get me a little test divider. (laughs) Here's one interesting thing. The Saints have their left tackle, Teron Armstead, out. So they're going to be playing a rookie, Ryan Ramschak, the guy that uh, came in the Brandon Cooks trade. He's going to be facing number one overall pick, Miles Garrett. Those two are going to go to battle throughout the first quarter as long as the starters play. My biggest concern with the Saints, fellas, is not so much uh, anything other than their offensive line's beat up. And for them to have the success running the ball that they want to have and for them to protect their 38-year-old quarterback, you got to block, you got to protect that guy. I want to see how the rookie holds up against what's going to be some pretty good competition. We've seen Miles Garrett in college. We know he could play. How's Ramchak going to hold up against Garrett in that first game? I mean, you never know, Casey. And it, being the, that the offensive line is that banged up going into this first preseason game, what, what are you going to get? A series, maybe two, depending on how long the first series goes. So don't look too much into this first game. The The first game is basically a dress rehearsal for guys that are trying to make it make the team, especially look out for guys that make a splash on special teams. That seems to be where most of the guys make the team that are kind of on the cut. Can you offer something else besides the position that you that you fit in? Uh, my last note, on we talked about three things that we're looking for. Will I make an effort to actually watch the game? 
That's going to be tough. I don't know, will you? That's going to be tough. I got to I got to admit it'll be tough. I doubt maybe I'll watch that first series and see old uh, Uncle Drew and see how old he looks because just so I can come talk trash on the following episode. Fellas, does preseason matter at all? And, and you know, you hear things, um, people say, oh, man, it doesn't matter. But here's one, one, I guess, conflicting argument is the year the Saints won the Super Bowl, they were whooping behind oh, in the preseason. They were crushing everybody, and we sort of all had an idea right away that they were going to be very good. So does it matter a little bit? It does to end the roster. It does. It, it means who's going to be on the practice squad, you know, who may end up somewhere else other than, uh, you know, other than New Orleans. Like I said, those special teams positions are crucial in preseason games. If you watch any of the HBO hard knocks, you could kind of see, and I've been watching the Amazon series. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, nor are they paying us to remember the name of it, but <laughs> Uh, you know those those series that follow teams around and it matters. You could tell it, it means something to to some of the guys, especially the tail end guys, the guys that are already have a spot in their team. You know that third preseason game they really get. That's really the dress rehearsal for them. But otherwise, you're looking just for guys that could make a splash. And you always auditioning not only for the Saints, but for every, every other, other team, NFL yeah. team as well. So is there anything? And I'll throw this to Nick and Mott or whoever wants to take it. Is there anything that can, that can happen tomorrow, both good or bad, that'll make you change your opinion of the team in this season? Um, I know Ted Ginn Jr. has been talking a lot of trash about the receiving core on the Saints, like he's the best or whatever. Yeah, but yes. um, T Ted, I, I mean, that's one thing I want to see is the first time he gets tackled, if he's just going to demolish into a cloud of smoke, because I think he's just as old as Drew Brees. I mean, he's he's up there. Yeah, that Ted Ginn, man, I. He hasn't been the best receiver on the team since Ohio State. Ooh. He's and he fumbles quite a bit. He, he said he is the fastest receiver in the Saints camp right now. Is that saying something? Being you, Thomas, let, being you let your best wide receiver go to New England? Right. I don't think Michael Thomas is going to beat anybody in a foot race. So yeah, I think he may hold that title. That was actually one of the things on my list is how the receivers are going to look. We know Michael Thomas had a big rookie year, but that was being the number two or number three guy, now he's going to be facing Richard Sherman. He's going to be facing you know some of the number one elite cornerbacks in the league. We'll see. I've been debating people on social media all week about the Cooks thing. He's looking really good in New England. I think that was a big mistake. I don't. I don't think that they necessarily got enough bang for that value. I don't know that they realized how big he was to that offense. We said it from day one that it was a mistake. You can't let a superstar player like that go, no matter what kind of mouth he has on him. Just keep him there. Keep him happy. It's not like you have a ton of other talent waiting to, to take his spot. And another thing you got to look for on Thursday night for the Saints is stay healthy. Oh, yeah. That's something that they've had tremendous problems with the past three seasons is staying healthy and just keeping guys on the field that could make an impact. No doubt. So let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk some LSU here. Um, the Tigers are very much involved in their practices. They're getting ready for the start of the season, which is going to be the first Saturday in September. Interesting comments, man. Reading some message boards and listening to some interviews from people who have been at practice. Pr practice is closed, so only people that are invited are actually able to watch. Rohan Davey was on with Matt Muscona today, and he said, look, I watched the quarterbacks. I was a quarterback. I think Miles Brennan is the best quarterback that LSU has on their roster. He went on to say that he's the most accurate quarterback. He's got a good arm, and the only thing that really has been limiting him is his knowledge of the offense. You know, he's kind of getting acclimated to college ball. So here's, I guess, the question that I want to ask you guys is, if you're Ed Ogeron, you're a first-year coach, 
the only other time you've been a head coach was at Ole Miss. You didn't have very much success. Would you be willing to start a true freshman knowing that you probably don't have as big a leash as other first-year coaches would have? Is that something you would be comfortable doing, even if you think he's the best quarterback on your team? No, I really don't think that that would be the answer, to at least to start the season, to see what you got in, in Danny Edling, a guy that started you know, quality SEC games and hasn't looked like an absolute train wreck doing so. I think, you know, if you do get in those game situations where you can play him a little bit, if he if he looks that good in practice, you got to give him a live look. So if you get a big lead, you know, in some of these these earlier games that we're expecting the Tigers to do well in, if you could give them a little bit of look and not just have them hand the ball off and give them a live look, I, I think that would be the way to go. But just to throw him in there, I just he's he's got a smaller frame and the wear and tear of the game right this second, I don't think is is the answer. My asking an 18-year-old to start five SEC road games, I mean, are, is that a concern to you at all, even if, if he may be the best player in practice right now? No, I, I agree with Damon. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a smart move, um, but I do think it's a smart move by Coach O letting these kids continue to compete. He promised them during the offseason when he was recruiting that he would let them compete for the starting job, QB1, um, and, and that's a smart move by, by Ogeron. He's letting all these other potential recruits know that he's out there telling the truth. I'm going to let everybody compete for that, that number one spot on this team. Is this more of a situation where it's sort of a knock on Etling that he can't beat out this kid, or is it more of just Miles Brennan's going to be you know the best thing since sliced bread? Like he's been built to be. I mean, LSU fans have been pumping this guy up since they've been recruiting him as, as a junior in high school. Which one do you think it is? Anybody. No, you, you have to give Etling, Etling the nod uh, at the beginning of the season. I mean, obviously, if he, if he continues to mess up, which um, I know I'm a critic of him. I thought Lowell Narcisse was the better quarterback. Um, obviously, it's Miles Brennan coming out of camp. Everybody's saying he's he's the number one. But Miles um, Brennan's only been practicing with the second team, for what I understand. Everything's been Etling with the first team. I just don't see how you could go away from Etling with – he has – if he was really hurt last season, I'm not the biggest Etling critic in the world. I'm mostly critical about a lot of stuff, but I guess I kind of just gave him the benefit of the doubt being the situation that we were in last season. I think he's ready to have a decent year. I'm not going to say he's going to be the Heisman candidate or or win the Heisman Trophy by any stretch of the imagination. I just think he's going to be enough to be able to – make those plays in the situations that he needs to make those plays. And look, as long as he can hand up the ball off the Darius guys and put the ball in the vicinity of his talented wide receiver core, I don't think he's going to have a problem. We're all youth coaches here. Everybody in this room spends time working with young athletes. So I guess the, the argument that I would make for Danny Etling is it's like, you know, Etling is 23, Miles Brennan's 18. That would be like sitting down a 13-year-old to play an eight-year-old in a youth basketball game even if the eight-year-old has more promise and by the time that eight-year-old is 13 is going to be a better player than the 13-year-old is it's still a really hard decision to say that you're going to sit down this kid who's older wiser more mature it feels like it would be a really bad move for a first-year head coach to make yeah I think Miles Brennan is miles more talented than the rest of the quarterbacks see what I did there yeah but um (laughs) You got Etling, who's got years and experience on him that is going to keep Miles Brennan on the bench. It's, it's kind of a luxury having an experienced quarterback where you don't have to throw your young freshman into the fire yet and let, you know give him give him some time to get acclimated to it. But I think when it when it all boils down, Miles Brennan is going to be the 
the better quarterback out of the bunch for sure. It does feel good, I guess, as an LSU fan to now have someone to look forward to after years and years of not having a quarterback to look forward to. So that is exciting. But UCLA does not have a quarterback dilemma. They have Josh Rosen. He is an unbelievable player. He's a great talent. He's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft next spring, maybe the number one overall pick. He um, said something that was interesting. Uh, talking to Bleacher Report, he said, hey, look, being a student athlete at the college level and being a guy that, you know, also is a full-time student, that's hard. And he said, you know, hey, that's something we probably shouldn't be asked to do. He went on to say that if college was truly about academics and we raised ACT scores and SAT scores to allow people to, you know, make it harder for people to get in, he said Alabama wouldn't have as good of a team, which is probably a fact. He went on and, and talked about how, you know, it is how difficult it is to be, you know, a full-time football player and have to go to practice and everything while also still studying for school what are y'all thoughts about those comments um i sort of think that players probably should get paid at least something not million dollar contracts but just something what are your thoughts as you're seeing these contracts or these statements be made it's asinine you know that's a that's a west coast type of guy i'm sure i'm not sure where the the young man's from but you know he's, he's at a west coast school if you if you raise act scores for every school in the nation, wouldn't you think Nick Saban would just go after the best players with the ACT scores that can make <laughs> the the cut? I mean, th- isn't that what he what he does now? Nobody's going to look for. Uh, I'm not gonna say nobody, but 98 percent of the college football recruiters aren't going to look for it. Let me check his uh, ACT score to make sure it's it's uh, super high. No, we're making sure he makes the cut so he can play football. They're recruiting football players, not not uh, scholars. Yeah, you want to get the best player that's eligible it really doesn't matter if they're scholars you don't you don't need to go recruit road scholars if you're trying to win a championship and this this guy's i mean what he said can be i mean he singled out alabama but it could be said about any football program any basketball program in the country these coaches are trying to go get guys that can win championships not necessarily the smartest guys out there might i know that you were talking about this a little bit off air with us as you're seeing this do you agree with rosen or do you sort of side with um, I guess, you know, the NCAA and that the way that they're doing it now is okay. Well, I'm a little on the fence on it. Um, I mean, all of these guys, all of these uh, colleges have programs to keep these these kids, uh, these athletes academically eligible. Uh, I, I guess his argument is um, that that's all they're there for is to keep them eligible, not for them to graduate or anything like that. I mean, I don't know what the percentage, 5%, 10% or whatever, that actually goes on to play into the NFL. And the rest of these kids just get forgotten about. Um, I mean, it's just – Look, I'm a, I'm a UCLA guy, and this – UCLA isn't Harvard. It isn't Yale. Like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. I mean, uh, look at Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is one of the most famous UCLA alum, alums, and he's a, he's not exactly Einstein. Here, here's my problem, and it's it's – Okay, I was a guy that I, I, I helped tutor some student-athletes at LSU. Their curriculum is so watered down, they're not getting a real education. They are there only to play football. So if it's going to be watered down that much, why even make them do it at all? I mean, I understand, yeah, it's a college. It would look terrible if you said that, you know, hey, these guys are here just to play football or whatever. But a, a five-star recruit, any five-star recruit in football, basketball, baseball, their major – is playing the sport that they're recruited to play. It's not, you know, biology or anything like that. They're there to play that sport. I guess, you know, I sort of see both sides of it. 
look, I'm all for paying college athletes because I know there's some fat pockets going around uh, the NCAA. But at the same time, nobody's there telling you, hey, look, if you're a five-star stud linebacker that's guaranteed to be in the NFL, don't go take this class that you could pass and uh, go ahead and get your get your uh, your degree. Don't go ahead and do that. Just worry about this game. You, you take what's in front of you. You have an opportunity to graduate from one of the – obviously, if, you, if you're that good, you're at a top school in the country. Get an education. It doesn't have to be in uh, nuclear science. Get a, uh, a, you know, a general studies degree or, uh, you know, just something basic that you could actually use in case you do get injured or your career doesn't pan out. It's free education. Take advantage of it. Don't just go and mail it in because you think you're the next big thing. Right. And I guess my, my problem is college athletics is the only piece of society where if you do great or you do poor, you get the same thing. Leonard Fournette made LSU a bunch of money. The last guy on the roster didn't, but their scholarship's exactly the same. And that's, I guess, my issue is that in every other realm, if you're the best doctor, you're going to make more money than the worst doctor. Why can't the college athletes sort of have the same equality? I guess that's sort of my issue. Yeah, I think both. I think there should be a uh, an even pay scale. I, it's hard to determine. I, I don't know how you would do that. I knew it would put some of the lesser universities, like uh, Nichols, let's right. just say, probably out of of college athletics. So I don't think that's ever going to really happen unless some funding comes from somewhere else other than than the school or the state or whatever your process is in your region of the of the United States, but. I wouldn't be opposed to a flat rate. I just don't think you could say, all right, well, look, this guy gets X amount of touchdowns. You're going to get X amount of pay. Or this guy gets X amount of sacks. You're going to get X amount of pay. If you're just a, a guy that holds a clipboard, you're going to get this. I just, it's not, I don't think it should be that type of yeah. payment, but how much is a scholarship worth? Oh, uh, whatever tuition and, and room and board is worth. So it, thousands of dollars. It's got, I mean, college goes up, the tuition goes up every single year. It's got to be upwards to, I don't even want to throw a number. I don't want to look stupid and have somebody come yeah. back on me. But technically, they kind of are getting paid, yeah. getting a free education. Yeah, I don't know if this is what our this segment was supposed to get to, but yeah, I'm, I'm all for uh, colleges paying their athletes because I mean, what what a great business model. You make billions or millions as a as a whatever a program, and you don't even have to pay pay employees. That's that's fantastic. You know, I mean these these guys are fueling the industry. They need to get paid. I, I wish, you know, if the NCAA doesn't want anything to do with it, just wipe their hands of it and let the guys make money themselves. Let them make their own T-shirts, sign autographs for money or whatever it is. There's other ways to do it other than what we're doing right now. And I think everybody sort of agrees that it's broken. But I think the problem goes to what Damian was saying. No one knows how to fix it, which is why we're just kind of stuck in the mud. All right. So I just heard a story on the radio on the way over here. Um, teach me up right here. The game that LSU lost that – it might not even been LSU. What was the cigar smoking on in the in middle of the field game? Auburn, Auburn beat Auburn LSU. LSU. Okay, yeah. I thought it was. That was Tommy Tupperville. Yes, correct. Yes. The students had to pay for the cigars because if not, that would have been an NCAA violation. I think we should investigate that. Make sure they paid fair. Now, if you're getting Richard Mott cigars, you're gonna pay fifty bucks per cigar. I don't think they were smoking Stuff Richard with Mott Jumbo cigars. Lawyer. Zach Hess had to give back the sunglasses. Yeah, he did. Yeah, five dollars sunglasses. He had to give them away because he can't accept a gift. It would have been made him ineligible. It would have ruined the rest of his college career. Isn't that insane? That's, that's unbelievable. Everybody else's speech is like, we'll we'll put a pin on it there. We'll take our first break when we get back. 
We're going to talk some basketball. Nichols did some big things out in the Bahamas. We want to give some kudos to them. And LSU basketball, man, they just keep plugging along. Every time you feel like they're going to be uh, done getting players for a while, Will Wade says, you know what, we're going to get somebody else. You're listening to One More Round. We'll be right back after this. If you're in the market for a screen-printed vinyl t-shirt, sports apparel, embroidery, or much more, please visit Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company in Golden Meadow. They have all your clothing needs. Go visit Nick and all the guys out there. They're going to do a wonderful job. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company out in Golden Meadow. They're open five days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company. Give them a ring, 985-475-7700. And welcome back to the One More Round Studios. Casey Jesclair here with uh, Damien St. Pierre, Richard Mott, Nick K. Baramello at the controls. We talk some football. In the last segment, now we're going to shift gears and talk some basketball. Fellas, college basketball does not start for another several months. It's going to start, you know, late October, early November, whatever. Um, but there's a lot going on right now, especially locally. Uh, let's start with Nichols. Nichols goes out to the Bahamas. Richie Riley was on with us a couple weeks ago telling us about their trip, going to play uh, some professional teams, some semi-pro teams out in the Bahamas. I'm not going to lie, as he's telling us this, I'm thinking to myself, hey, that's a good experience. You're probably going to get crushed. You're playing semi-pro and pro teams. The Colonels go on out there. They win all three games in the Bahamas, win the championship out over there, scoring 80, 90, and 100-plus points while there. They had a really good time. We talked when we had Coach Riley on about his one-two punch of uh, transfer guards, Roddy Peters and Tavon Sadler. Both of those guys had big games in all three of the, of the you know games in their tour. We were talking off air about this. Sign me up. Nichols basketball is going to be an exciting watch throughout the spring. They're going to be one hell of a team. Uh, not only did the top guys do well, but yeah. even the bottom guys got in on some action. Uh, Walker and Rafe Blades and scholarship athlete Kevin Johnson, both from Edie White, also scored and got some good minutes this yeah. weekend in the Bahamas. Casey, what not only Nichols, but UL, ULL, sorry, and UNO also took uh, overseas trips. I don't know. I don't know much about it. You know, like how how is that happening? How is that being allowed by the NCAA? And who's paying for this? You could go once every four years. So now that Nichols has done this, they won't be able to go again for another four years. Under Coach Piper, they actually had made a trip, guess where, to Australia. Um, so this was now they were eligible to do it again. The program pays for it. Um, Tulane actually made a trip as well. I believe they they went to Europe or something like that. So it's it's all program funded, but you're allowed to do it once every four years. That's got to be interesting as a as a college athlete to be able to make that journey and you know not not be too I guess worried about wins and losses. I guess to a point and enjoy yourself out there and that, that's a good time for those guys and they. I'm sure uh, Coach Riley took some time and enjoyed himself for a second on top of what he normally does. 
Well, they had a blast. I mean, anybody that follows their their Twitter account on you know they they were out there partying. They were on the beach. They were having a really good time. But Coach Riley was very quick to say on his own Twitter that look, even though we we're having a good time, we took a business like approach to this. They took the games very seriously. Um, I saw a couple of pictures of you know of Coach Riley coaching in some timeouts and some late game situations. They were not there just to play and get a little burn and you know stay in shape. They were there to win. This team's learning how to try to win games after having a losing season, and they made it happen. They had a 3-0 tour. The last sort of tweet that I saw said that the locals say no one goes to the Bahamas and goes 3-0. Well, the Colonels did it. That was a, a very impressive showing that for that team. That is, Look, it's a bunch of guys that have not spent their entire career at Nichols, but they've got 10 seniors on in this roster. They're going to be ready to rock and roll. I think that they're going to make a big run. Yeah, that, no doubt they're primed for a big run. And anytime you play a basketball game, I know I'm a competitive fella. I'm, I'm not going out there just to coast and maybe win. I know Coach Riley has his guys ready, and you mentioned late-game situation and, and being ready. Uh, one thing we talked about Coach Riley was about the energy that his team has and the bench uh, always being up and excited. And if you follow Nichols on Twitter, which I'll give you their Twitter real quick, is Nichols underscore MBB. That's a good follow right there. They do a lot of updating. And – post a lot of like maybe inside clips in the locker room and you know coach Riley talking and whatnot there's a a, a short video of when uh Rafe Blade scored and the bench goes insane and you know there's not too many people in the building so it's hard it's hard to have that type of energy but uh one thing I did notice that was interesting you and I talked about a couple of days ago was it was Rafe Blades from Rafe, Rafe Blades <laughs> a Edie White guy uh he's from Thibodeau great fella great athlete Mott that was Rafe Blades' first time flying. Was that, you know, 17, 18, or 18, 19 year old fella? How was your first time flying? My first time flying was actually earlier this year. I flew to Midland, Odessa, Texas. Okay. Uh, I actually had four flights in a year, and um, I was nervous, so I can imagine how he was. And I'm 26 years old, man. He was he was definitely flustered. Yeah, he was flustered. There's a clip on him on on Twitter on him uh, explaining how his first flight went. I've seen Rafe play in a lot of different athletic competitions. Basketball, he's a good baseball player as well. He's always kind of got that cool, calm demeanor. Not when it comes to flying. He was not exactly too brave about that situation. That was a very good video. I'd encourage anybody to to check that out. Um, Richard, I know that you were, uh, I think you watched one of the games. I know you took some notes there. What were some observations you had about the Colonels as they made their Bahama trip? Um, Just what I've seen, man. They they played to the end. Uh, They had the lead they gave up the lead for a little while at the end of the half but in the in the last game they had yesterday but they played to the end man all the way into the end and they won um but not only the team gets to play together like coach riley said uh they got a lot of new faces playing together this year like you said they a lot of them are seniors so they have a lot of uh, experience behind them but uh i just think that this also gives Nichols a lot of publicity man like going three and oh it gives them a lot of publicity gives them a lot of momentum to a lot of steam. I think that it's going to allow – one of the things that is my, my pet peeve about Nichols is, you know, we are all LSU fans here, but we do have a D1 school that's, you know, an hour away, and no one really supports it. You know, when you go to Nichols basketball games, it's it's an empty gym. It, you, you get better attendance at some high school games. Nichols football has sort of turned it around, and they get – you know, they draw very well. But I would like to see the community really get around this program – it's affordable to go to the games. It's very inexpensive. 
and they play a high level of ball. I know you and I, uh, Damian, went to, I believe, a Nichols UNO game a couple years ago. We saw Nate Fry play. You know, Liam Thomas was a treat to watch. You get to see some really, really good athletes in the Southland Conference. There were some years where, you know, Stephen F. Austin had some great players. You see a high level of basketball. I really wish the community would embrace this team more. Yeah, I enjoy going to Stouffer Gym. And one thing, it, it's very fan-friendly during the timeouts. You know, the, the band's there most of the time. They have the um, uh, paper airplane contest where you could kind of throw it on a court. Halftime, they have some type of shootout to win some Canes gift cards, which Canes, you should, if you listen, you should sponsor this show. We, we eat Canes. Yes. Uh, I could honestly say, and I'm, this is a, something I'm very proud of, I've been to more Nichols basketball games than LSU basketball games. If you take away the time that I was a student there, yeah, I, I'm the same boat. I've been to more Nichols games than LSU basketball games. And What is a successful ride for those guys? Do they have to make it to the tournament? No, they've been under 500 for the last couple of years. If they win 19, 20 games, and, and you know, that's the thing about the Southland. It's so fluky. You could be dominant all season. If you lose in that conference tournament, you're not going to go to the NCAAs. What would constitute a successful year for Nichols basketball? To make a run in the conference tournament, I, I think they're primed and, and they have the talent to be able to do it. I think Coach Riley knows, obviously, he knows the game of basketball. He's going to have his guys ready. He's got a year in Thibodeau under his belt. He knows what to expect, and he he knows the Southland Conference conference type of play. And I think he's going to have his guys ready. I, I'm not going to say, look, it, it's NCAA tournament or bust because it's not – not yet for you know for for coach riley in a second season i just hope we have a third season with coach riley because i think he's doing a tremendous job and it's going to be very difficult to keep him for that third season i know you and i talked about when he got here and the success he had in recruiting that maybe not see a second season but i'm very happy <laughs> to have him here for a second season and i hope we can keep him around Thibodeau for a little while yeah if he is a real estate customer he is renting he's not buying he is going to be here for probably just a short time but we got to enjoy it while it's here talk about guys who hopefully are buying that's hopefully will wade hopefully he's long term in this lsu basketball program the tigers have continued to make big news here on the recruiting trail they got a big uh graduate transfer from southern utah randy onswanzer I'm, I'm probably saying that wrong he's a averaged more than 20 points a game last year at south utah or southern utah he's going to be a senior he's going to be eligible right away and of course the big news uh also is that mitchell robinson got his release papers he is not going to be playing for western kentucky there were some reports that lsu was the big favorite and that they were going to sign him but then now there were some reports today that he's going to make an official visit to kansas so that is still a little bit up in the air but let me read to you guys some things that will wade has done in his four months at lsu he got a commitment from or a signed scholarship from tremont waters a four-star guard from connecticut he's going to be eligible this coming season he got two JUCO players to round out this this upcoming class. They'll be eligible this year. Got Javonta Smart, five-star player, two years from now. Put LSU out in front for, for Naj Reed, a five-star, the next class. Got back in the hunt for Mitchell Robinson, and then got the transfer player that we were talking about a minute ago. That's all in four months. Fellas, it feels like any time, you know, I, I feel like, Okay, Will Wade's done now. This is going to be the roster for the next year. They go out and they get another guy, and then another, and then another. Where does this stop? I'm so excited for LSU basketball. It's it's a great time to be a fan of Louisiana basketball because you go through the NCAA tournament and you like Louisiana will have droughts of three or four years at a time where we don't we don't even get a team in, and it's like this year we got we got something going in Nichols. We got something going on at LSU. UNO made it last year. We got ULL. 
Like we, we actually have some good basketball to watch this year, and I'm very excited about that. We've talked about Will Wade a ton on this program before, and just the energy he brings is is going to bring those big time guys in. I don't know if I'm excited as Mitchell about Mitchell Robinson as everybody else, but I was kind of thinking once he left Western Kentucky, you know, he's still not el- he still may not be eligible to play right. next season. He's still waiting for that release, but I, I kind of hope he does come because you know we talked about b- before. A 500 season would be great. You get a guy like Mitchell Robinson, and those expectations go a little bit higher. I'm not saying that you're going to make the tournament or whatever, but he's the type of guy that, that's that's pretty much a game changer if you could get him to play. And, and Will Wade is the type of coach that I think could get a type of guy like him to play. The fact that he left Baton Rouge without a commitment and, and is possibly going on that official visit to Kansas kind of concerns me. Well, the, the, the thing of it is, Damien, is, okay, you get the four-star guard from Connecticut. Naj Reed's from New Jersey. And that's like... I understand the smart thing. The guy's from Baton Rouge. But that LSU's going to get blue-chip players from the Northeast and from all around the country, that's unbelievable to me because he has no backbone to stand on because he has no on-court success to back up anything that he's selling right now. So I guess my thoughts are is when they finally do turn this around and they finally do start winning 20 games, how good is this going to be? I really feel like LSU may become a perennial top 15, top 20 team, if not better. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, man. I mean, I think that they they, uh, they will become a, a pretty good contender, maybe not as early as next year, but uh, uh, one more year after, and I think they're going to do really well. We've all sort of told people when we first started as one of our first episodes, you know, hey, relax. A lot of the success is not going to be next season. It's going to be the following year. Be patient. But they get the transfer guard, and if they get Mitchell Robinson to be eligible this coming season – you're starting to put something together where you're not maybe going to be a top 25 team, but you could maybe be that NIT team, maybe try to sneak into the tournament. You could at least be respectable next year. And if that happens from how bad LSU was last season, you may be getting votes to be the national coach of the year, but that'd be one hell of a turnaround. And look, I don't think Will Wade's done. I think he's going to work until, until that midnight hour on that last possible day to keep getting these guys in because he's not going to be satisfied with a 500 season or, or just getting out there and fielding a team this year. He's he wants to win. He wants to win ball games. He wants to win ball games now. I saw him uh, a video of him speaking to the incoming freshman class. Uh, it was freshman orientation. People go over there. They they tour the campus or whatever. And he was the guest speaker. And he told them. He said, "Look, we're in this together. It's my first year. It's y'all first year." Four years from now, we're all going to go to the Final Four together. And I think that was really cool because, look, when I was freshman orientation, it was like an author that was the guest speaker. So it was never somebody as cool as Will Wade. So the fact that, A, he took the time to even do that, and, B, he was you know very outgoing about, hey, we want to go to the Final Four, I think was really cool to me. Because you never heard, even when Johnny Jones got Ben Simmons, you never heard him have any high expectations. He was just kind of there. And as long as you know they were employing him and – you know, he was still the coach. He was okay with it. I like somebody that's going to go out there on a limb and really make a bold statement like that. Yeah, and it, it goes to show, again, how long can we keep him? Is LSU a stepping stone type of job right now, or is it – because I don't think it's one of the top jobs in, in the country because you don't have the fan support. You don't have, I don't think you have the financial support either. I think he's going to make his name here for a couple of seasons. See, everybody's going to see the type of guys that he brings in, and then after that he's going to get one of them top jobs. And Okay, so we mentioned – just to move off this subject for a second, Javante Smart, I was just reading about him. Mm-hmm. You think he's the most decorated or, or highly hyped 
athlete for basketball to come out of the state of Louisiana ever? <sighs> Randy Livingston was pretty good. Livingston, yeah. Um, he's the best in a long time. I'll give you that. But, man, we've seen him at the top 28. There's a lot of hype around him. He's a really good player. Um, yeah, I, I would say he's the best in the 2000s. Because I wasn't – I don't know Randy Livingston's credentials, but I know – I don't know if he's played on these USA teams that are, that have done well and you know Gatorade Player of the Year or whatnot. I'm, he's very. This guy is very very highly touted. And if he could stay with that commitment to LSU, that's going to be a huge a huge get. He does everything. I mean, he he we we've seen him play high school. He rebounds. He gets assists. Many times that I've seen him play, my only gripe was that he didn't score enough because he was being too passive. I think that you're right. I think that he's going to be a one and done. I would be highly shocked if he were a two year college player. And, and that brings me to the, the point, I guess, about Mitchell Robinson is everybody sort of had him in the mock drafts. He's going to be a top 10 pick, a top 15 pick. If he enrolls at LSU or Kansas or wherever and he's not eligible, is he even going to see a second season? I mean, here's the thing. If he's not played, nothing will have happened to hurt his stock. So why wouldn't he just go pro? Yeah, there's no reason to stay there. I don't know what kind of financial situation Mitchell Robinson's had, but I know Chalmette's usually not the – the richest of the rich there so I, I, what kind of need is he in it you know it, it comes to that point that you don't know what kind of situation his family's in to be able to front him financially or if he needs the money to go pro because obviously the man can make a living playing professional basketball yeah well, let's do this let's take our next commercial break when we get back we're going to shift gears entirely we're going to talk some fighting some boxing and everything there's a lot going on of course we got the mayweather fight coming up soon there were some big fights on espn we'll talk about all of that you're listening to One More Round. We'll be right back after this. Hey, bro, let's go fishing. And Steve, we can't. That storm cracked all my lines and sunk my shallow. Shall what are we going to do? What about Max? Let's call Max him. Max? Yeah, to Gibson. Don't be like those Kuyans. Visit Max Plays on Send the Gang Online today at www.fishtidewater.com. That's Tidewater Charters at www.fishtidewater.com. And welcome back to one more round. Studios, Casey, just Claire, Damian, St. Pierre, Richard, Mott, Nick Aber, and Mello at the controls. We've talked some football and some basketball. Now, I mean, it wouldn't be one more round if we didn't talk some fighting. We've got a lot that has happened here in the last couple of weeks. We've got a lot that's going to be happening in the next few weeks. Um, I guess we'll start with the ESPN fight. Uh, Lomachenko was dominant. I mean, that was unbelievably good. He was. Punching with power, connecting, landing. He ended up getting the knockout win uh, over Mariaga. I guess initial thoughts as you saw that, is this guy the real deal? I know there's been a lot of headlines, a lot of columns being written. People are suspecting that he's now jumping into the pound-for-pound mix. Is he there? He had a fantastic amateur career, and he came into the pros with a bang, fighting for a professional title in either his first or second bout. Look, Win or lose, the guy could fight. I I didn't get a chance to watch the whole entire fight because we had that big basketball tournament this weekend and I was actually trying to get a, a wink of sleep. But I know some of us stayed up and, and watched a little bit of it. But I did watch um, 
I guess some long-winded highlights. And the guy was right in front of him. He pretty much did whatever he needed to do to get him out. You know, quick punches, putting some power on, on you know, every other shot or whatever. But the guy obviously has some superstar-level skill, superstar-level speed. I don't know about the power, but he is definitely there. And, look, another big-time boxer on free TV. Sure. That's big-time for the sport. And just to get some, some fire behind, behind the sport again. Mine, I guess your your grade of this uh, of this performance was in an A, was in an A plus. What are some things that you liked? What are some things you didn't like, if anything at all? No, I give him an A for it. Um, I mean, he did well. Um, the guy Mariaga didn't come out for the eighth round. His guys threw in the towel. I mean, he worked him the whole the whole fight, man. He he did really good. Um, Nick, how much have you seen of this guy? Do you think that he's he's at that level? I guess. You know, it's so hard because Floyd is sort of now in a different realm where he's, you know, fighting MMA guys. He's not an everyday boxer anymore, and everybody's kind of trying to climb to be the best pound-for-pound guy. Is he in the conversation? I don't think he's there yet, but, I mean, this guy's coming with a lot of hype. And you got guys like Bob Arum, Arum talking about how he could possibly be the next Muhammad Ali or comparing, comparing footwork to Muhammad Ali, which is even more insane. I mean, he's got a lot of hype on him, and that's a lot to live up to. So I don't, I don't know if that could hamper his his career or, or what. But I mean, I mean, he 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 looked good Saturday night. Some big news coming out of Twitter a couple hours ago, which again we are uh, Tuesday right now. Okay. It's gonna come out possibly tonight or tomorrow. But Lomachenko tweeted at um, Conor McGregor. McGregor, as we know, is looking for a sparring partner. <laughs> uh, Lomachenko offered to be his spark partner for the Floyd Mayweather bout on August 26th. Let me tell you something. Connor, don't want any Connor McGregor problems. does not want to get in the <laughs> ring with Lomachenko at all. He would make him look straight up like a fool. We're going to talk a little bit about that whole saga in just a minute, but Damien was, was talking about free TV. The next big free TV fight is going to be Terrence Crawford against Julius Ndongo. 22-0, and it's an undefeated guy. Um, Crawford is heavily favored in Vegas. He's a, a huge favorite to win this, even though the, the opponent is undefeated. Is this going to be an actual challenge, or is this sort of just another step in, this, in the ladder, so to speak? Listen, you, ne- you never say never. We had the first uh, ESPN free fight card, big card, Manny Pacquiao against Jeff Horn. Well, guess what? Jeff Horn wasn't too uh, publicized at the time. Nobody thought he could do anything. But I think Terrence Crawford is in the pinnacle of his career. He's 31-0 and holds just about every belt in the entire nation. Look, if you could get people to come watch you in Nebraska and, and sure. fill the arena, you're doing something right. He's been on a tear as of late. Uh, I don't know much about uh, Mr. Indango except that he's not Fondango <laughs> and he doesn't have a fashion police segment on Tuesday Night SmackDown. But 22-0, he is uh, 11 knockouts, so he's saying it doesn't have that much power. He has some fights on his resume that's not that bad. He fought uh, Ricky Burns in his last fight in the in Scotland, which is Burns' hometown, and, and went and, and defeated him for the IBF Super Lightweight title and the IBO and the WBO, WBA uh, Super Lightweight title. So that's... This is a big-time unification bout. I'm sure every title that's ever been talked about is on the uh, line for this fight, which <laughs> right now we're going to be fighting for the DTB unification heavyweight title coming up. And it, 
the 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 sanctioned buys are an absolute joke. But being the fact that you got Terrence Crawford on free TV, he is he is a stud, and he is gonna either way he's gonna fight his tail off, and he's gonna do a good job of bringing box again bringing boxing back to that forefront, and make people want to tune in again. So we look forward to that. Now an interesting thing, it was actually not on our board here, but it's something that I saw on social media. Freddie Roach said that instead of retiring, Manny Pacquiao is going to chase a second fight with Horn. He wants that fight to be in America, but he's willing to go back to Australia if need be. Um, Mott and Nick will bring y'all in on this. Is that something that excites you? The first fight, if for nothing else, it was pretty exciting. There was some drama around the decision or whatever. Can the second fight be entertaining again? Uh, I mean, if, if it's anything like the first one, the first one was great. Yeah. It was all like an action-packed fight the whole time. Sure. And it the sequel sometimes doesn't live up to the what the first one was so i mean you got to look at it like that but hopefully it's a great fight but i I was i was hearing some talk that they are in talks with espn about having it on free tv again that would be awesome you would think they would cash in try to get pay-per-view off of that but they look and they put on es i mean that's just talk they could have been saying that to you know just to, just to say it but whatever one thing i did read today is that uh jeff horn's people would like for the Olympic style drug testing to be in effect for the second fight, which Uh-oh. again is going to put Manny in a in a bad situation, because we've talked about previously, uh, you know, once the accusations of Manny's steroid usage came to came to light, that he has not had that knockout power since. Why wouldn't uh, Horns people want this fight to be in America? Because I mean, look, he's he's a celebrity in Australia. Nobody in America knows who the hell he is, except for you know the few that watched that that first Pacquiao fight. I would want to be in, you know, Atlantic City or Vegas or whatever, try to expand. Because if you beat Manny Pacquiao in America, you are now global. You're going to be getting some big-time fights. I think that fight was worldwide, and he is now known by pretty much every fan. Even just the casual fan knows Manny Pacquiao and knows that he lost to uh, – they don't might not know his first name, but they know who they lost to that horn fella. So I think that fight anywhere – and, if, again, if it's going to be on free TV – everybody's going to watch it again it's going to be, be huge ratings and that may be where uh, bob aram is set, has a selling point on you know to the network and to the to the advertising and he can make money the guy's not stupid he hasn't got this far promoting boxing obviously bob aram if you don't know him is the promoter of top ranked boxing which is the top promoter in the world and he has been for the past decade i think pay-per-views dying gentlemen uh wwe's sort of phasing it out I think that there's going to always be a place for it for some you know big time events, but I, I don't know that we're going to see the 12, 15 pay per view fights a year like we used to see in the past. Everybody sort of now in in their TV watching, they pay for what they want to see, Netflix or you know whatever it may be. I think that the entire model is changing, and I think that's going to be great for fans that want to see fights on cable TV. That's just cable companies being greedy and you know asking for extra fees and whatnot. That's why everything, all this cord cutting is, is, is the the new found thing and that just you got to go along with, with what's working uh on demand stuff is is really on demand that was the air coach you didn't see that but <laughs> that's that's what everything's going to uh, i personally have phased myself out of cable but if you sponsor the show i could easily get myself back on cable <laughs> very good tell me about clarissa shields um we are all wrestling guys it feels like she is the Nia Jax of women's boxing. She gets in there, and it's a squash match every single time, pretty much. She's got power. She's got a lot of skill. She's very gifted. 
Um, and more importantly, I guess for her marketability is, is she's American. I think that's going to be very big. A lot of the big female fighters are German or whatever it may be. I think having that American champion is going to be very good for her and for the sport as well. Uh, I, I was first introduced to Clarissa Shields through a friend of mine, Jenny Fuchs, who was on the last the last Olympic box team. I've, we talked about it before. She didn't make it to the actual Olympics, but she did represent the country uh, in her weight division. Uh, looking up Clarissa Shields, trying to do a little background, I found a documentary on Netflix that I can't give you the name, but you search Clarissa Shields on Netflix, listen, this is something to watch. It's about an hour and a half. She is from the rugged part of Detroit, mm-hmm. Michigan. And she had one of these people that had not a silver spoon in her mouth the entire, her entire uh, teenage and uh, adolescent life. And she came from nothing and she could fight. And the, the coach that she had, I don't think they're no longer they're together anymore, but he put her through absolute hell. She did, he did not treat her like a little girl. She was a fighter, and she became something special, won two gold medals. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist uh, in her first fight. As a professional, you know, it took zero uh, what we call, um, I don't know, Nick, what's the word? Opponents, I guess. Tomato cans, I guess that's the word I was looking yeah. for. You know, she went straight in there. and In her fourth fight this past weekend, she's four. Uh, she was 3-0 coming into the fight against uh, WBO, WBC super middleweight champion Nikki Sadler. She was 16-0 and 0 sure. at the time and really not been tested. And Clarissa knocked her out in the fifth round, and she looked sharp. I'm talking about, like, power that some men don't have. She is going to be something special. She is the Ann Wolf. She's the next Ann Wolf. If you know anything about Ann Wolf, put her – Put her in your, your Google machine. Yeah, you Google, could Google Anwol versus uh, who's that? Vonda Ward. Vonda Ward. Jesus. So, so you guys tell me something about this. Cause y'all know more about this than me. From the promoting side, is there any money in the female side of this sport? I know basketball, there's no money involved in the women's side. Is there money to be made in, in women's boxing? Absolutely. It's it, Women at, uh, at, our, at our local level will almost get paid double. Wow! Because it, it's a it's an it's attraction. attraction. Yeah. It's an attraction. It's it's not something that's normally seen, and I don't know about the the top level. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm gonna I got a friend of mine that I met a long time ago. Christy Martin was one of the best female boxers that ever got in the ring. I'm gonna go try to get her get her on our okay. podcast. I mean, you you look at at MMA. You got um, Ronda Rousey. She women she was she was the biggest star i mean maybe maybe not as big as conor mcgregor maybe a little bit bigger than conor, conor mcgregor i don't know but i mean you win a couple games you're an attractive female you you are a star and you win did i say games you win a couple fights and <laughs> and i mean that's it's, it's a formula if you if you are a bad ass i don't want to get the e on our itunes thing anymore but if you're a badass and you out there, and you're an attractive girl, and you kicking some butt. You're gonna turn some heads, and, and like Damien says, it's an attraction. Same with wrestling. Like in in the early days of wrestling, they would have, I don't know if you could say that midgets anymore. Is it uh, little people? I don't know how was the politically correct term for that, but like you had midgets and you had women's wrestling was was an attraction, and that used to fill arenas just that. And it's not exactly the same today, but I mean it's it's an attraction. Cool. So. Let's talk now about Paulie Malignaggi and the whole Conor McGregor thing. These guys were sparring. We talked about it in an earlier show. The you know we were kind of skeptical about how it all went down and, and you know what the process was like. Um, but now we've got a little more dirt on this situation as 
the MMA folks apparently released some pictures that made it look like McGregor was kind of going over Pauly a little bit. They had some pictures of Pauly on the mat. They had some pictures of Pauly taking, you know, some shots to the face or whatever it may be. And Pauly basically said, hey, man, this is BS. This is not the way it went down. It was very competitive. And he walked out. And after walking out, he has gone on social media and done some interviews and has basically said, hey, I put it to this guy. You know, the the picture of me on the mat was because I was pushed down. And, you know, yeah, I got a black eye, but, you know, he's probably roughed up too. And he didn't want to spar the next day because he was sore and he was beat up. What do y'all make of this entire situation, first off? And second, if this guy is getting beat by Paula Malinaji, how bad is this fight with Mayweather going to be? Paula Malinaji is four years removed from being relevant. I've been inside fight camps before, inside like brought in sparring partner camps, and it's something that you don't really talk about. Like you don't say one guy's whooping the other one because the other one, a, a fighter's pride gets in the way. And mm-hmm. I mean, you could say that to. I mean, you you they in a tough situation. You can't say. Uh, uh, Malinaji was whooping him, whooping Conor McGregor. Because, you know, who's going to want to watch a fight that a guy that was getting whooped in, in sparring by Paulie Mal- Malinaji is going to, you know, fight Floyd, Floyd Mayweather? Nobody's going to watch that. But if you say that you were whooping Paulie Malinaji and you're not giving him some money, he might have something to say about that too. So, I mean, it's really, like, it's, it's hard to, to get around that. Mod, in the last show that we did, I was sort of um, expressing some not, I wasn't ever on the on the McGregor side of anything. I think Mayweather's going to win. But I was sort of saying, well, hey, man, if he was doing okay with Malinaji, maybe it would be a little closer than we think. But after reading this, I don't think this is going to be competitive at all. I think it's going to be a circus. I was saying off the air, I think it's going to end in a disqualification, quite frankly. What are your thoughts as this fight is? I mean, it's getting close now, just a couple weekends away. No, um, I mean, I definitely think that McGregor is going <laughs> to just destroy this guy. I mean... If you're the McGregor camp, I mean, what did you expect Paulie to say? I mean, uh, if you listen to the interview on uh, fighthigh.com, he completely buries McGregor. They put him in a what he explained as a crack house in Las Vegas. I mean, it, it was just a horrible situation. What do you expect a guy to say? Oh, Mott, you're killing me. But uh, <laughs> doing a little research for this story uh, earlier or late last week, there was a video that was circulated on YouTube with McGregor. And it was from December of 16. So it's, it's a little dated, but it's not that dated. I mean, we're, on, we're in August, so it's nine months away. Sure. Or nine months past. Uh, there's a boxer, 25 and 2, Chris Van Heerden, H-E-E-R-D-E-N. He released a sparring video with Conor McGregor. And look, I've tried to be, I have been trying to be as least biased as possible. But it's not working. It's getting the evidence is piling up at this point. It was embarrassing. Chris Van Heerden absolutely destroyed McGregor. McGregor looked like a complete fool, a complete amateur. And all these MMA pundits are coming out and saying, well, you know, Conor McGregor has been boxing since he's eight years old and this and that. Let me tell you, I'm not spending the money on the fight. I'm going to find some buffoon. And if I go to your house, I'm not calling you a buffoon. To watch this <laughs> fight because I'm not paying for this. This is going to be... It's gonna be embarrassing. It's gonna, and everybody's talking about you can't blame, you can't play it like a football against a basketball player. Well, guess what? You can't. You absolutely can't. It's two different sports. It's gonna be embarrassing. Don't waste your money. Yeah, to steal Richie Mott, I agree. I think that's gonna be a, it's gonna be a circus, and I don't think that it's going to end 
in a win or a loss. I, I'm sticking by it. I think it's going to be a DQ. Uh, I got the hot take on this. Let's go, Nick. I got, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay, so Floyd, the um, press conference, they're going to talk trash or whatever. They're going to look like they hate each other. They're going to get in the ring. Floyd Mayweather's going to give them the first round, play with them a little bit, finish them off in the second round. They're going to hug like they're best friends after that. Floyd Mayweather wins. They both make a ton of money. People buy the pay-per-view. People pay for the tickets. They're both going to be rich. And then... You just move on to the next play. I, I just don't know how you could give him the first round. He's that bad. He's Floyd Mayweather would have to close his eyes and possibly even cover his eyes with his boxing gloves to let McGregor hit him. It you can't hit. He cannot hit a moving target. And we could get let's get a little deep in here. When you when you throw a right hand, it's got to be crisp. It's got to be strong, and it's got to be straight. Well, let me tell you something. The 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 hardest part about throwing a right hand is putting it back on your chin. Mm-hmm. Mayweather throw, uh, excuse me, McGregor throws this right hand, and it's not a bad right hand, but it's kind of looping. When he comes back, his elbow goes on top of his head. It's one of these phone chop uh, defensive moves. If he tries any of that, it's lights out. I don't care. Yeah. Who, I don't. It doesn't matter who's hitting him. It's lights out. I just see Floyd just just rolling punches the whole fight. Just just Conor McGregor swinging wildly, and Floyd just ro- like. Rolling, you, know, you can't hit me, you can't hit me, you can't hit me. Second round, he comes finish him off. There's that Canelo Alvarez meme where Floyd's doing exactly that, just ducking punches for 10 seconds. I don't see any way that McGregor doesn't tire of exhaustion. He's going to be tired. That's going to be a long, much longer than he's used to. And I don't know that he's ever been hit this much. But here's the thing, man. His routine is hit you, put you back on your heels, then tackle the hell out of you, and then start. You can't do that in boxing. It's a much different thing. This is, gonna, this is not going to be competitive. I, I, I was coming around. Maybe it'll be entertaining. It's not going to be entertaining at all. This is Floyd Mayweather we're talking about here. And an MMA guy. Like, he could have, he, I mean, there's no money in it, but if Conor McGregor really wanted to beat somebody, really thought he could have beat somebody, he would have fought somebody, Paulie Malinaji, fight him in yeah. a fight. And yes. even according to reports, he lost that too. So Mayweather's not entertaining. And MMA's not entertaining. So I don't <laughs> know how you put both of them together. It won't be. It'll be terrible. That's perfect. Let's take our next commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk about a rumored big MMA fight that might actually be entertaining. And we're going to talk some uh, wrestling as well. SummerSlam's coming up. We're going to also close the show with our mailbag, Richie Mott's mailbag. So you mailbag. Listen, listen to one more round. We'll be right back after this. If I wanted some more One More Round studio coverage, what would I go on the World Wide Web? You can check us out online at www.onemoreroundstudios.com. Hey, Casey, I got a little blurb on my little internet. It says that we may or may not be on iTunes. Yeah, that's, that's right. We are on iTunes now. That's great. If you want to check out more One More Round studio coverage, check us out on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Facebook, Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at one underscore more round on Facebook at facebook.com slash one more round studios with an S. I'm not sure why Mott added the S, but it is there. Also, Podbean, if you can't get on iTunes, find us at one more round dot podbean dot com. One more Welcome back to one more round. Casey just played with Damien St. Pierre, Richard Mott, Nick Abair, and Mello. As always, we've had a really good show, but we have one more segment to go. We talked some boxing in the last segment. Now we're going to talk a little bit of UFC, if you want to call it that, uh, as it involves WWE as well. 
There was uh, some rumors out there recently on the internet that Brock Lesnar is looking for a way out of his WWE contract, which expires next April. He is trying to fight Bones Jones. Bones Jones fed into those rumors after his fight a couple weekends ago, basically saying, hey, look, I'll fight Brock Lesnar. You know, let's do it. Uh, if Brock wants to know what it's like to lose to the best, or blah, 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 blah. They fed into the, the whole drama. Now there's these reports that Brock Lesnar is going to if he loses at SummerSlam, he's going to be quote-unquote gone from the WWE, which further led to the speculation of, hey, they're writing him off of TV. This is going to allow, uh, you know, this is going to give him his way out. This is how he's going to go to UFC. Do you guys first buy that this is going to be the end for Lesnar? And then second, your thoughts on if Bones Jones and Brock take on one another. First off, this is all fake. Jones came in and talked about Lesnar before his last MMA debacle or whatever you want to call it a fight or whatever and Lesnar apparently had something to say right after so this is all being set up before and it, there's very 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 little difference between UFC and professional wrestling there's not much difference you may actually get hit one time in the UFC if not you fall on the ground and you tap out when you're hurting so that's how that works <laughs> so I don't know much about Bones Jones I just know that he's about 40 pounds less than Lesnar and uh, if Lesnar's trying to get out of his contract, I guess this is the way to do it. But why would you want to go and actually have to, I mean, ruggedly train for a fight and and get in there and possibly get hurt? Or you could just put on a show. You're getting paid pretty much the same thing. Well, it was it was sort of a trick question, I guess, because what a lot of MMA fans don't realize is Lesnar still has a six-month suspension to serve, which he has not yet started serving. So he couldn't just fight Bones Jones tomorrow. He has still a lot of things that he has to go through to get back in the UFC cage again. Um, Nick, I know that you watched him fighting, and you were talking during the break about how Bones Jones is, you know, the, the top guy right now, maybe the top guy ever. Could he do this? I mean, look, he's about 210, 220. I'm sure for this fight he would beef up and get bigger. Brock Lesnar on a good day is about 280, 300 of steel. That's a big weight difference. That's a big strength difference. Bones Jones is more skilled than Brock Lesnar is. But could he overcome that size gap and that strength gap in an octagon? No. Uh, John Jones fights at 205, six foot four, 205. Lesnar has to get down to what is it, 265, the, the heavyweight division? And by the time the fight happens, he's about 280. Yeah, he, he, after the fight, after the yeah. weigh in, he'll, he'll put on a good 15 pounds, 20 pounds, or whatever. And there, I mean, you, John, John, John Jones is the much better fighter. But he's just so small compared to Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar can throw him around. And, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be a big money fight because you got probably the best fighter ever against the biggest draw ever. So you put that together, everybody's making money off of it. But I don't think John so, Jones could fight. So this is, this is a heavyweight fight? Yeah. So there's another class? Brock Lesnar ain't getting down to 205. There's a super heavyweight? Uh, no, it, it's... Or is there 18 wheels passing constantly? <laughs> I think it's just heavy. I think it, so it's heavyweight 205 is the heavyweight limit. Could they do, theoretically, a catchweight where it doesn't matter what either ways? Yeah, I believe so. But, yeah, yeah, if they're not fighting for a title, I can guess they can just go catchweight. But still, I mean, Brock Lesnar ain't coming down. He, he struggles to make 265 or whatever. He's not coming down to anything close to what John Jones is. Look, you just make up the rules as you go. It's like, it's wrestling. Yeah. Here's my idea that I had, and... Knowing that now McGregor is going to be fighting Mayweather in boxing and he's a guy that's under contract for UFC, knowing that WWE has a big audience and that Brock Lesnar is under contract to WWE, 
why don't you just have this UFC style fight in an octagon at a WWE pay-per-view two or three months from now? UFC has proven they're willing to work with other organizations. WWE has a huge audience. If you want to make a bunch of money, why wouldn't you just have a real fight at a WWE pay-per-view? I think it's coming to that because you there's a lot of crossover that seems to right. be in the process with Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor and and John Jones and it's like the, if once you make it in UFC you kind of social media start talking and talking trash to wrestlers and I mean if you can be, if you can cross over to the wrestling side of it schedule's easier you don't have to fight you don't have to train as hard and you make the same amount of money probably more is there anything like okay I guess what I'm asking is licensing wise if you want to under a wrestling license have a real fight where the loser taps out whenever he has enough or you know someone gets knocked out or whatever it may be is that legal like could they legally have a real fight under a wrestling license or do you have to go through some sort of other body i think in the state of louisiana it it would be illegal it's the same governing body for wrestling mma and boxing i don't know if other states how they mandate that but hey come to new orleans you could flood and have a fight, have a fake fight. <laughs> Can't do power drivers. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Lesnar doesn't do power drivers anyway. But briefly, SummerSlam, are you guys excited about that? That's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Is there anything about the card that excites you guys at all? All right. So I missed Raw last night. I just uh, doing a little research. Set up. Uh, is there a Big Show versus Kaz and uh, yeah. Enzo in a shark cage? Yeah, that Enzo was that's not a, be that's not a troll. above the ring like Chris Jericho was last summer. Or yeah, whatever it was. because he's an actual threat to the match, right? Yeah, that's embarrassing. Look, some things that stick out that obviously the fatal four way, which if you're going to take the title off of Brock Lesnar is the perfect way to do it because once the bell rings, I mean nobody's really the champ because you don't have to be pinned to be able to win the fight, what well, win the match or whatever you want to call it. One thing that sticks out is Owens versus Styles twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't, know, I don't know what they're doing. Why. They just keep handing the belt over to each other. I don't know where they're going with that. Are they going? Why don't they, if they want to book that much, why don't they do like the Booker T. Benoit best of seven? When, I mean, it's it's pretty much coming down to that. Why not just go ahead and give it a title? Mod, are you excited about SummerSlam at all? No, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I have not been keeping up with WWE at all. I agree. Okay, well, let, let me get it on this. The, uh, the main <laughs> event is the, the <laughs> fatal four-way between Lesnar, Samoa Joe, who else is in there? Help me out here. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. And it's kind of leaking out that there's the Lesnar-John Jones thing happening. And Lesnar could be leaving WWF or WWE and going to UFC. And I think this is all a swerve. Like you said, he's six months. He's still got that six-month suspicion he's got he's to gotta serve. So, and his contract ends in April. Right, the, the night after WrestleMania. Yeah, so I think it's the swerve is everybody, all the smart small marks on the internet are thinking that the title switching hands is SummerSlam and I don't think that's going to happen I think they're trying to make you believe that to try to fool the online fans but I think Lesnar's keeping it okay so a six month suspension mm-hmm. so you just say hey look I want to fight and then they start the suspension how's that work you got to enter into their drug, drug testing program yeah. and then it starts ah, so he's the, he's in the McMahon which, drug testing facility and yeah. not right drug testing he's program. not peeing in the right cup right, right. now okay so SmackDown heavyweight title match is going to be um, uh, Jinder and Shinsuke. Um, I pretty much believe Shinsuke is going to win and get cashed in on. Do you guys sort of 
Is there any chance that that uh, gender's going to win this match? I guess is what I'm getting at. Is is this title reign going to extend? I don't know. They they keep putting they keep supporting them and and you know giving them more people and making a faction out of this whole deal. So I I don't know. That's a match I didn't think was going to happen because I I would have bet the house on gender versus John Cena. And whenever Nakamura did upset John Cena, which that was a really good match. That's it was one, one match yeah. I, I I did not fast forward through, which is that's big for me. Uh, Again, you got two good. You got two good main events. Uh, two solid main events. On the card doesn't do much for me, but uh, I could see going both ways. I could see Nakamura definitely winning and then getting cashed in. But I could also see Jinder just keeping that belt. Does anybody see Shinsuke holding the title? Because I don't. I don't see that happening at all. I don't. I don't not now. I think they just kind of pushed him into this. I don't, like there was no build up to it. I think they when they want to give him a long title run or at least a title run with any kind of like longevity to it, they're going to actually build to it. And what what's what's kind of I guess disappointing to me is Baron Corbin has nothing to do with this card, so you know he's going to come out and try to do something. Yeah. Yeah, well we've made you guys wait long enough. Now it's going to be the segment that you guys have all been waiting for. Richie Mott, the floor is yours, my man. Oh, we're doing this now. I I just said, Richie Mott, the floor is yours, man. Whatever. <laughs> I feel like a like a giddy kid waiting for this mailbag. All right, so now we're gonna do the mailbag. We got a few questions in for our fran- from our fans. Mott, don't be so excited. Friends. <laughs> um, the first one here comes from Blight from Shreveport. Okay. What's the first sports game you remember watching? Me first. Yeah, you first, Casey. Baseball game, 1991, the Braves and the Pirates. It's the big uh, base hit to left or right field. Sid Bream scores. The Braves go to the World Series. That was my first sports memory. remember sitting in the living room watching it. My dad and I were Braves fans going nuts. That was my first sports memory. For me, it, it was the um, Super Bowl. I don't remember what number it is, but Bears of um, Patriots with the Super Bowl Ooh. shuffle and the Bears. That was a stomping. Yeah, and the, I don't remember watching anything before that. It was just the whole Super Bowl shuffle song got me into it, and I remember the actual game. Man, I'm, y'all have some very uh, top flight memories here. Mine is watching a South of JV football game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that we. My grandfather took me to watch one of my family members play at a JV football game, which it wasn't JV. It was the B team back then. Fair enough. Who was it? Who was what? The player. Uh, Davy Martin. Yeah. He didn't go to. He didn't. I don't know if he made the A team or anything. <laughs> Good guy. He's a he's a nurse. Solid guy. Yeah. All right, our next one comes from Ball from La Rose. If you had to yell something at a man named Tim, what would it be? Someone else, please. There's only one answer to this. Tim, you suck. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Man. That, yeah, now it all makes sense. Okay. I have yelled, Tim, you suck, to a guy named Tim. Is that his real name? I yelled name? that multiple times, and I couldn't stop. I don't know stop. what uh, what Al Borland yelled to Tim the Tool Man Taylor, but I'm sure. Howdy neighbor, I guess. No, that was the I don't think so, guy. Tim. <laughs> I got one. We we all yelled, you know, hey Tim, you suck. But then five seconds later, we said, Tim, "Let's go, Tim." <laughs> so that's my answer. Tim Storm, if you're listening, we need to know if your real name's Tim. <laughs> uh, the next one is if you were a basketball player, what would your nickname be? All right, so we switch. Oh we switch. Who was that? Who was that from? By the way, from Cody from Galliano. Okay, we're switching this up. We're gonna give each other basketball nicknames. Oof. All right. I'm the worst basketball player ever. Nick? Uh, you go first. 
Nick, um, so I'm picking Nick's name. I'll pick Nick's name. Okay, so Nick's I pick name your name. Would be practice shooter. Warm up. Okay. Warm up or assassin. Warm up. warm up a bear would be his official nickname because Nick shoots probably about 50-60% in warm ups and then when the whistle blows for the game time it's down to about 6%. And then my name for you would be the big accessory because I know that you have shooter yeah. sleeves yeah. and headbands yeah. and everything. Nick, one Dang, for me. I'm drawing blanks but, here. Mike, what you got? The, you got? the great terrible. <laughs> that would be <laughs> have you heard that that was uh mr du fonsica in the background i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna give casey uh casey's nickname would be uh casey would be the gm casey would be the Belly gm, the he's GM. Always, yeah he's always putting teams together he's not fair necessarily enough. in the game fair enough all right next one is Old from Dell dimps that's what we oh call Dell dimps <laughs> Next one is from Louis from Angola. If you had to wow. be named after a city slash town in Louisiana, what would it be? I have no idea, Mom. I'm laughing at. Oh, oh, never mind. Um, let's see. I know they got internet out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. We should have did some research on this. You named after a on, city or town in Louisiana. Oh. Yeah. Come on, Louis. Give us something better than that. The be- only thing good coming out of that question is the uh, the guy who asked. Everybody that I know named Monroe is a smart guy, so I'm going to say Monroe. Greg Monroe's smart. He's a millionaire, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> He's got a max contract. You're right. I'm All taking right. golden medal. I'm going to be golden medal. Golden medal. Nick. I'm, I'm drawing blanks on this one. He can't say cut off. Gross tet over here. Uh, <laughs> what was the worst beer you've ever bought? That comes from Nigel out of Seattle. I'm going first. Go ahead. Uh, we went to a buddy's party. Uh, this guy was moving. Well, actually, Nigel, the guy that asked the question, he moved to Seattle. <laughs> and he brought us to this place, and I'm going to I'm gonna dog it out. Corporate Brew in Baton Rouge, they don't have a normal beer in the place. So we was just kind of drinking random things. Uh, Mott bought this coffee beer, and it was awful. It tasted like somebody had a cup of coffee and poured a natural light into it and just mixed it up, shook it up, and gave it to you. It was terrible. That sounds terrible. It Nick, was. what was yours? Uh, probably Guinness. I don't know. I'm not a beer, big beer drinker, and that's something that when I drink, I can't even get it down. I'm going to tell you something. My high school senior trip, I, I have am a, a beer, beer, big. I can't even get That's a lot of bees. I'm like a big beer drank drinker. drank a bunch of dr- beer just now, man. Struggling. Um. I'm 17, senior trip. I have a June birthday, so I'm not legal to buy anything oh. at this point. And I have, I have no knowledge of any of this. So I just pick whatever you know can looks the coolest. I buy Tecate, regret it. It was terrible. It was absolutely awful. <laughs> See, I drink Tecate and I, I could do Vin, uh, Vin, <laughs> Guinness. Mott, what, you answer this one. Well, minus the corporate brew debacle we had uh, a while back. Um, I was actually in Panama City, Florida, and I bought a KCCO beer, and uh, it, it was pretty horrible. Talking about that corporate Bruno, I slapped Mott that night. <laughs> That's always a successful <laughs> night. All right, Paul from the 985. Benson dies and leaves you all the money and both teams, minus any luxury tax. What two moves you make to bring the Pelicans to championship contention? Oh, my God. Right now, I'm... Jumping on Kyrie Irving, that's one of them, and I'm getting. Is it? Would it be two moves if I get rid of um, Drew Holiday and get Kyrie Irving? Nick, it's two moves. It's, it's two moves. It's a question. One, two moves. That's it. That's still not going to get you a championship. Though. I want. I want two guys. I, I got my two guys in mind. I'm going to do everything I can to possibly get those two guys, and one of them 
is John Wall. I'm a big John Wall guy. And the next one would be uh, Kawhi Leonard. That's who I would go after with the two bigs and the other options that we don't have. I think that our our rotation with those five guys, those four guys with Rondo, I think we'd be pretty solid. I'm going to go a different way. I'm not going to add a player. Well, I'm going to add one player. But I'm going to get rid of Gentry, and I'm going to give whatever amount of money I need to Popovich until he says yes. And then I'm going to go after Kawhi Leonard, like Damian said. I changed my mind. I'm getting LeBron. I hate LeBron, but I'm getting him. That's the championship team. LeBron, Boogie Cousins, Anthony Davis. Go home. (laughs) Go home to Gallagher. And I'm moving myself as the coach. Because right. I, I could take that team to the championship. Okay, Nick, two. Two moves. That's it, man. Yeah. All right. That's three. You can go home to Galliano, which I'm is where Chad him. comes from. And our next question from Chad and Galliano. Favorite Saints player, top three favorite Saints players. All right, so this is not the best. This is the favorite, right? That, that, that's how this was worded? Yeah, yeah. Favorite? Yes, favorite. Pay favorite. attention? Favorite, favorite. All right, so if you're sitting at home, you might want – if you listen to us on iTunes, you could – Minimize your phone or press the little home button and go to your Google machine because you gotta you're gonna have to. Number one, obviously, hometown favorite, Bobby A. Bear. Top one, top number one. Number two, very very rel- uh, seldom seen, only in preseason. Tory Woodbury. I remember him. He was a stud. Yeah, he was a stud. And third is Iowa State. Uh, yeah, Iowa State before they were, uh, I think, D1 or whatever. He was 2,000-yard rushing seasons back-to-back. Troy Davis. Okay. That's where I'm going. That's my okay. top three. I thought for Nick. sure he was going with Talman Gardner. I hated Talman Gardner. <laughs> okay, my guy, my number one by far, Bobby J. Bobby Bear, cut off Louisiana. Um, number two, I might catch a little flag for this, but I, I was the biggest Reggie Bush fan. Oh, ever. man. Like that was that was my guy, and I would defend that guy. I mean, he would get 17 carries for 16 yards, and I'd be like just arguing with everybody. He's the best running back we've ever had. <laughs> He's the man. I I was such a Reggie Bush job rider. And number three, that's hard. I I, I got a four way tie on this little notepad sure. I have over here. I got Dave Waymer, oh Sam Mills, Gil Finnerty, and Danny Werfel. Danny Werfel. Okay, that's not a name I expected to hear. He was number seven from Florida. Yeah, I'm going to go Boo Williams, tight end of the Oof. Aaron Brooks era. I'm going to go Willie Jackson, receiver of the Aaron Brooks era. And I'm going to go Chad Martin, kick returner slash running back of the Aaron Brooks era. That was Hated a bad Chad Martin. Hated. Listen, Willie Jackson, was he was good. He was really good. Should have had Dale Carter on there, too. If you All right, Mott's ge- uh, gleaming like a uh, <laughs> post-pregnant woman over here. <laughs> Uh, so I'll give y'all a push present here. I'm not <laughs> wow. as young. I'm not as old as you guys. Wow. I'm, I'm a little bit young. So um, my three play- favorite players from the Saints would have to be Kyle Turley. Okay. Um, obviously the hometown boy, Bobby Bear, mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep it home right here, Mr. Nicky Sabwa. Okay. Listen, yeah. I, yeah, fair I know one pass, 25 yards. That's his professional stats. I know that off the top of my head. Or 12 yards. Can't argue with Something that. like that. Something. One catch. All right, Casey, and that's uh, all for our mailbag today. You can take it from here. Sounds like a winner. Um, want to thank every – yeah, absolutely. want to thank everybody for listening. Um, we're going to have some local high school coaches on throughout the um, the buildup here as we're getting close to the start of the season. Still got John Brady and Stromile Swift that we're going to have on here real soon. Both were occupied tonight. But want to thank everybody. We're continuing the build. We are now on iTunes, 
uh, our Podbean is still rolling. We got a website now. Mott, what's the the URL and everything? Tell us a little bit about some of the plans that we have for the website. I know that you got uh, a boxing segment and everything that you're working on. Just give us a rundown of all that. Yeah, the website's coming along pretty good. It's www.onemoreroundstudiosplural.com. We have all of our articles. Damien's posted some stuff on there. You, um, we we actually starting a segment now. It's called Behind the Gloves, and it's basically going to take you behind the scenes of all these local fighters and, and, and what they've done, their trials and tribulations to get where they are today. Cool. Sounds like a winner. We want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back at it real soon. We were really, really busy last week, but we're going to start recording more regularly. Good night, guys.